Commissioner Rexford, the room is ready. All right, thank you. Welcome everyone to the February 15th meeting of the City of Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Commission. This is a special call meeting that uh, picks up on uh, uh, three items that uh, are left over from January's agenda. Um, this is a hybrid meeting and to get us started, I turn to Becky to uh, walk us through the rules, please. Thank you and good evening, everyone. My name is Becky Pepper, Planning Manager. Joining me here in the City Commission room is Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services Director, and Ellie Mullins, who'll be helping to facilitate the video uh, Zoom portion of the meeting. And we'll work alongside the Vice Chair this evening to facilitate the meeting proceedings. As mentioned, I do have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the City's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function for this meeting has been disabled. All chats will go directly to the Zoom facilitator. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. And when you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to the Zoom facilitator. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. With that, I'll turn the meeting back over to the vice chair. Thank you, Becky. Um, so to get started, a couple of uh, housekeeping items. Do we have any reports um, from committees that have met over the past month? Chair, I think we, I th we gave all those reports uh, at the beginning of this particular meeting, so I think It'd be better to ask about these at next week's, <laughs> next, week, next, week's next month's meeting. Right. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, sir. Um, do we have any uh, written communication from the public to receive? All the written communication was included as part of your packet this evening. Thank you. Written communications from staff, planning commissioners, or other commissioners? None this evening. Written action of any waiver request determinations made by the city engineer? Also none this evening. Disclosure of ex parte communications amongst the commissioners for items that are before us this evening. Seeing none. Are there any commissioners that uh, need to abstain from items tonight? Seeing none. Uh, it takes us to uh, time in our meeting for general public comment. This is a time that we have set aside to provide uh, the general public to make comment on items that are not on tonight's agenda. Um, if you have something for us tonight in the room, please um, come to the podium, um, state your name and address. You'll have three minutes to share your thoughts. If you're online, please either raise your hand digitally or physically, and we will call on you in order. Hi, good evening. Hi, my name's so, all right. My name's Catherine Ellsworth. I live at 2609 South Fur Terrace, Eudora, Kansas. I'm here to talk about the wind and solar projects. This week I interviewed a man who had made um, who had planned to lease land from Nextera. And then at the last minute he decided to go visit a um 
a wind installation. He went and he immediately decided not to proceed with the lease. It was being drawn up. And um, it was the sound, He's because of the sound and the um, oil, there was oil dripping down the turbines and, and down the, the column. But he went back to the Nexera rep that he was working with and they'd been texting back and forth. And he said, you know, I, I wanna go to some meetings before I actually decide because I'm having some second thoughts. And so the guy called him up and said, hey, um, you know, if you go to a meeting, we're gonna just pack the Lawrence, uh, any meeting that happens in Lawrence with, with supporters. We'll, if, if there's a popularity contest, he said, if there's a popularity contest, we'll win it. So I got to thinking because the meeting I was here for January 23rd, there was um, the commissioner, one of the commissioners who's gone um, said, well, we're getting a lot of um, feedback to the affirmative pot that want the wind installation. So um, as a writer, I'm, I'm hoping that you will, I'm gonna go to reading now, um, do your due diligence. And when someone contacts you um, to say that they are for Nextera's wind project, and I know they'll say there's no Nextera wind project, but technically it's, True that there's no next era wind project, but logistically, since they put the leases in place and the diagnostics, and they're and they're so inculcated in government, um, you know they're the likely permit applicant. Okay, so for due diligence, um, if if someone speaks to you that they're for the wind project, I would suggest you ask yourself, or even better yet, ask them: um, Are they directly affected by the turbines? Are they in a financial arrangement with Nextera? If yes, are they absentee landlord, uh, landowners? Do they understand the, the magnitude of the Nextera projects? Um, 2,000 acres on the Douglas County side that they had leased last summer when they were working on the solar regs. And with a total of 3,500 acres, the largest solar um, project is... Um, 3,200 acres in California in operation. Um, and the wind project is who knows how big that will be, but with um, with Osage and Franklin County balking at the wind project, um, the guy implied to Sean, this, the person I was talking about, uh, who knows how densely they will put in the wind turbines. Um, I would also suggest that you ask if they understand that the energy will not be sold, will not be used in Kansas, it will be sold to the grid. And do they understand that these projects will necessitate high capacity transmission lines and upgrade to storage facilities, which will likely be paid for um, by the Kansas utility payers? Ms. Ellsworth, I need to ask you to wrap up. We've hit our three minutes. Okay, most importantly, um, I would hope that you would ask them if they have looked into the character of Nextera because that's what gives me the greatest pause and concern. I'm a Democrat. I'm I'm not thank against you, wind you, and solar. Thank, you. thank, thank you. you for your comments. Thank you. You really want to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Anyone else in the room? I don't see any hands online. 
With that, we'll move to the first item in our regular agenda. This is to consider a request to rezone. It's item number Z-22-00399. This is a 0.13 acre bit of ground on West 22nd Terrace. A request is rezoned from RS7, that's a single dwelling residential, to a commercial strip district. This is being submitted by Land Plan Engineering on behalf of John A. Webb. And the wonderful Sandy Day is here to talk to us about this. Thank you very much, Sandy Day Planner. The item before you this evening is a rezoning and you actually considered um, a rezoning request, same request, a different amount of acreage um, less than a year ago. And so part of the staff report included an assessment of how this project is substantially different from the previous application. The request is um, for just the south 35 acres of zoning to basically even up the boundary of the commercial zoning. And so I'm gonna refer you to your staff report rather than do a PowerPoint presentation. Um, the property is zoned RS7 today and it's the south um, 35 feet of the two residentially platted lots. Um, the lot at 809 um, is currently um, a surface parking area and then the lot at 803 it, uh, was a residence which has since been demolition, demolished since the last time you considered this request. Um, in looking at the application, it's staff's understanding that the applicant is really just trying to position the property for future development. There is not an active application for the redevelopment of the property. There would be probably several other uh, development steps that would have to move forward um, for this property to be redeveloped. But getting the zoning piece set and having a little bit more land area included in that area to just basically align the zoning district with um, the depth of the commercial zoning to the west is really the intent of the request. Staff's recommendation is for approval of the rezoning request and I'd be happy to take any questions. Awesome, thank you. And uh, do we have the applicant in the room with us tonight or online? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, Commissioner uh, Rexford, yes. Just give us one minute. Okay. Well, C.L. Maurer with Land Plan Engineering. I'm representing Mr. Webb. Hi there. Hi. Um, I really don't have anything more to add. I mean, what we're trying to do is just line up. There's like a 35 foot into this piece of property that's residential. That doesn't, if you know where Lower uh, North Ford is, there's a back line there. And we're just extending that line east to what used to be the Pizza Hut area. And that just gives us a little more depth so we can develop this as commercial. Uh, it's just really shallow in there. Comes up to be 165 feet. Right now it's 135. So it makes it really tight um, to, to work with that. So that's the reason why. And we've got other steps we got to do. we got to do the preliminary plat because we got to make the lot lines line up and the final plat. So there's other things we could do, but we want to make sure the zoning's in place first. So... I'm here to answer any questions. Uh, staff did a really good job on their report, so. Very good, thank you for that. We'll come, don't, please don't go far away. Uh, we have public comment next and we'll probably come back okay. to questions. 
Um, we have an opportunity for public comment. If there's anyone in the room or online that'd like to speak to this issue, we offer three minutes. I see a hand raised uh, from uh, Kelly McIver. Yeah. Hi, Kelly. Three minutes. Hi. Um, I'm Kelly McIver. I'm the owner of 815 West 22nd Terrace. And yes, she is the wonderful Sandy Day uh, city planner. Um, so my place is right next door to the two residential properties. And then it's kitty corner to the commercial properties. And I met many of you last year when this came up before. Um, while this rezoning request is much less invasive change than the last one they were attempting, as you see in the documents, I would like to request that whatever today's vote turns out to be, that you consider emphasizing, perhaps requiring, that the 240 plan's 15-foot minimum buffer yard is kept in place and not to be eroded upon, especially later when they start submitting plans and such, because those things don't always require voting approval and could potentially get slipped in when nobody's looking. So in all likelihood, future plans could be something along the lines of the version that they had before, which was a 24-7 drive-through uh, with a double lane and 15 feet's better than nothing, uh, which is what five foot would be if down the road they try to get that requirement changed to mimic the older commercial properties to the west where they're only held to the old plan of five foot. But Lawrence is headed forward, not backward, and there's a reason why there's that 15 foot minimum buffer. And since this rezoning was put in without any development attached this time, in case it is on purpose to treat us like frogs in a pot and maybe we won't notice the little change here and there. That's why I'm just looking to embed a little insurance in the recommendations to be sure to hold that 15-foot buffer yard line green if possible. And the owner of the four properties, as you know, tore down the still rented house they had on the residential property. So they might be coming, hoping to come back on that too. So I got my eyes open. But I also wanted to mention, which also Larry Floatman had mentioned in his letter, I assume there'd be no curb cuts or egress allowed to let any of the commercial property traffic come through the residential lots in the meantime, uh, just to be sure that there isn't something that gets slipped in now or in the future. So it only behooves the city to keep the 15 foot minimum buffer yard, as well as no curb cuts on the north side into residential, because that'll keep the residential lots in a better position to be sold to folks who want to build residential properties. Because as you know, infill is also part of the 2040 plan. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your good care of, with the city of Lawrence and its residents, and also for just having a special meeting so we could get closure on uh, the meeting that happened a couple of weeks ago. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comments. Anyone else in the room or online that wishes to speak to this item? Someone approaching the podium? Yes. Hi there. Hello, uh, my name is Scott Unicus, and I live at 828 West 22nd Terrace, just a little bit further down. And I wanted to reiterate what Kerry said, Kelly said, we don't oppose this. Um, we think this is a pretty satisfactory compromise from what we were talking about earlier. This helps them develop the current property. Um, the, 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 the residents were never opposed to that property being uh, redeveloped, the existing commercial property. We were just opposed to an actual commercial property fronting West 22nd Terrace at that point. If you redevelop the, or rezone those two properties, now you have commercial property fronting West 22nd Terrace, if you look at the map. So 
that was the main thing we were opposed to. So, and and just reiterate what Kelly said. One of the major parts was the redevelopment would have torn down a house that was occupied at the time. Well, they've since torn down a house that had been occupied continuously for years. So, and the other the other lot was a parking lot that was paved in the '60s, so it's never really been offered for development. So it's not like these are properties that are derelict or anything like that. It just ended up that way with that not being developed yet as residential lots. So I think that was it. Um, appreciate you guys' time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for your comments. <laughs> Anyone else in the room or online that wishes to speak to this tonight? I don't see anything. Am I missing anything in the room there? No one's come to the podium. All right. Thank you. So we'll bring this back. Um, applicant uh, has a few minutes to respond. If there's anything that you uh, care to say. Nope. I'm going to say we're good there. Back to the commission for discussion. <clears throat> um, are there any questions, comments from the commissioners? Sandy, a uh, question for you. Um, responding to the uh, to the public comment, the the fifteen foot request is that something that um, we're going to require, or how, how does that uh, how does that work? Sandy Day, Planning Office. It's a very good question. The action before you this evening is for the rezoning, and that sets out the establishment of the base district of the list of allowed uses that would be permitted. The next steps in development would be to replat the property and then for a site plan. Where the um, the buffer yard comes in and that's typically at the site plan, although it, it's, it's a component we could actually also look at through the subdivision process as well. Um, site plans are administrative, a minor um, a subdivision, a minor subdivision application is typically um, administrative unless there is a subdivision variance. Um, it's platted property today, so whether or not the project would have to come forward as a preliminary or final plat, there's, uh, you know, I can't say for certainty whether or not either of those applications would be in front of you. A site plan would not. Um, as far as those buffer yard goes, uh, that is a design standard that's in the land development code. The applicant would have to, if they made a request to reduce it, obviously we have the context of the discussions that are happening tonight, but the applicant would have to provide justification for the reduction and also alternative compliance. So it's not that, um, th that you get to forgive or not put in the required landscaping, you have to do something that's equivalent or um, as an alternative to whatever that request would be. So it's, we would look at it in terms of what is that development application coming forward. If it's, if it's um, a commercial retail building, you know, that has one kind of impact. If it is um, fast order food, that's a, that's a different impact. So we have to look at it in that context as well as commercial design guidelines. So there's a number of different steps um, that would would have to be reviewed before 
um, we would know that. There's also a notification process um, of a subdivision and also of site planning. So property owners would be notified of those applications coming forward and would be able to engage with staff throughout that review. Sandy, thank you. So Sandy, if I was just gonna pile on that for a second, there's there's really no way that a change in that buffer yard could be snuck through. Sandy Day planning. Um, yes, that that is correct, and it and it does depend on um, people being engaged in the process. And what I have learned of this neighborhood is that they are an engaged neighborhood. So I would anticipate that they would continue with that engagement, and we would um, have those communications with the residents um, as, if and when those requests come forward. Very good. Other questions? Yes, Mr. Bunch. A follow-up question for, for Sandy. So I guess related question, uh, if in the future a developer wished to have some sort of connection between the residential and the commercial lots, would that be addressed through the site plan process or through some other means? Sandy Day planning. Um, there are two opportunities to address access through the subdivision process. We could, um, for instance, include a notation or a restriction that prohibits commercial access. We want to be careful how we um, identify those kinds of things. I would not want to have um, a note that says prohibited access to 22nd Street because those are residential lots and I anticipate they're going to continue to be residential lots. So that residence, when it develops, would need to have access to the driveway. Um, so we would look at it through the subdivision plat process, and then we would also look at it through the site planning process. Um, the likelihood of, of access coming through from a commercial development to 22nd Street, I think is, is um, pretty remote that that, that would, be a, a desirable design. Thanks. Mr. Carpenter. Uh, Sandy, Jeff, Randy, anybody, uh, do we have to make a finding that this application is substantially different from the prior one? Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services, based upon the review that we did with this application, we do believe it is substantially different from the other application or we would have not brought it forward to you. Well, I, I understand that, Jeff, but do we have to make the finding? Because this is how I first met Sandy years and years and years <laughs> ago was the first time we challenged a new um, application. We were Our neighborhood was successful because <laughs> They failed on one of the technical aspects of the successive application. Application, and at that time, at least, the planning commission had to find that you know we made a a preliminary finding based on what staff gives us that we also find that it meets those requirements. I'm just wondering if that's been changed since the late '90s or <laughs> with the 2006 development code, perhaps. I don't know. 
Sandy Day planning, if I may, um, in my review of the, of the language and, and Jeff or Randy could correct me if I'm wrong, um, I did not find anything in our regulations that requires the planning commission to make a finding or a statement. Um, it gave us the criteria for that review um, and, it, and all of it is based on a city commission's action. So the previous item I think never never got to city commission. No. <laughs> so well, no, well thanks. It's, yeah. it's probably something that was that was changed slightly with the 2006 code, but could be. But I it obviously meets those criteria. Staff was really good in, in laying those out. My other question is about the replats when it comes time for that. Um, tonight are we being asked to rezone the entire properties or are we able to rezone have two zonings on the same parcel sandy day planning office the rezoning yes for a period of time there there would be a platted lot or a parcel with split zoning based on this action so <clears throat> yes we recognize that do we, um, that is something we don't typically, you know, we don't try to encourage um, having split zoning on property, but we also know that, that the intent of this project is for redevelopment purposes. And we know the property is going to have to be replatted to be able to consolidate the commercial components of the land area that we're talking about. So you're only seeing a part of the picture um, even though we know more is coming with this. So we're voting on a placeholder uh, zoning category pending all those future steps. Is that, a, is that what you're saying basically something like that? Sandy Day planning. I don't know that I would categorize it as a placeholder. I would say it's, it's a baby step in a multi-step process for redevelopment. So are all four of these uh, parcels going to have to be replanted to move the 35 or whatever feet it is from the north ones to the south ones that are the commercial? Sandy Day Planning Office, yes, there is an expectation that the property be, would be replanted. When you try to, uh, when you when you consolidate property into another parcel and you end up with a remnant piece, that that original platted lot will have to be replatted to make it whole again. So um, what, and the applicant could speak to what their intent is. I anticipate that they would be submitting a minor subdivision where I would have two new residential lots that are less deep and then one large consolidated commercial lot. <laughs> I don't know that that's their intent, That that's my suspicion. That makes a lot of sense. Can we uh, condition our recommendation on that occurring down the road? Sandy Day planning. Um, back in the day, um, we did used to have um, zoning actions that were contingent on platting. We haven't done that um, certainly since the adoption of the land development code. Um, and I don't know if Randy or Jeff have a a, a position on that. It it does 
if we condition the zoning, then the action just sits in limbo. So we would have something where you would be acting, the city commission would potentially be acting, yet we would have an ordinance that maybe doesn't get published for quite a long time. And then I'm trying to review a plat for one of the questions is, does the lot conform with the base zoning? So is it easier when, when you get a package? Sure, it is. Um, but given the history, I think the, the property owner wanted to um, it, it kind of move mm -hmm. this forward and, and find out if, if there was support before yeah. they move through the engineering pieces that are required for subdivision and site planning. And I'm speaking for the applicant. I, they well, they can answer your question better, probably. Uh, you've probably had a lot of interaction with the applicant and the neighbors. Um, but what's it before us certainly seems to address all the concerns that the neighbors had, and it's hard to believe it was 10 months ago, um, but it does address all of those. Um, my only slight misgiving is were this dual zoning on the same parcel with the hope that everything's going to work out right down the road. But that's where we need the neighborhood to be watching so they can challenge anything that's contrary to what we're talking about tonight. Is that correct? Sandy Day planning, yes. And and ultimately they'd be able to file an appeal to the city commission and everybody would look back at what we're saying tonight and try to make sure what we're saying tonight is what goes into effect. Is that right? Sandy Day planning. Yes, throughout the site plan process, there is an appeal that um, a lot of times what will happen is an applicant will, um, when the project is submitted and they're notified, they will let the planner know that they want to be um, notified of the outcome of the project and then they, that gives them that ability to respond to an appeal if the determination is something contrary to what they um, anticipated or expected for the project. Thanks. I'm, I have confidence in this neighborhood, seeing who's on some of the letters. They have lots of experience over the years, so they know what to watch for. So I'm okay with what's being asked for tonight and okay with making the referral to approve it. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Carpenter. Any other comments? the commission well i would i would say it just brings the the zoning that faces 23rd street into compliance or into um, uh, more standard with the rest of the commercial zoning that is on 23rd street i don't have any problem with it yeah thank you charlie anyone else Just add one comment. Um, I think I, I feel like I, I certainly support this. Um, uh, I love that the neighbors are involved and uh, not only here to share, you know, future concerns, but showing their support. Um, I feel like this is a a great solution uh, to a, a space that needs a little bit of adjustment before it can be uh, uh, really the interest of redevelopment. Um, so I'm I'm eager to support this personally. Um, I sure entertain a motion if anyone's ready to do that. Commissioner Duber. Uh, approve the request to rezone 
Z22-00399, approximately 0.13 acres from RS7, the CS district located at 803 and 809 West 22nd Terrace, based on the findings presented in the staff report and forwarding it to the city commission with a recommendation for approval. The second. I'll second. Commissioner Thomas, you're first. All right, with that, uh, Mr. Crick, would you uh, please call the roll? Commissioner Barotto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvar? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Rexrode? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes eight to zero. Very good. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for a good conversation. Uh, moving on to item number two. Uh, we're going to consider approving a request to rezone. This is item number Z-22-00404. This is a 33-acre um, lot located at 6150 Ken Ridge Drive. The request is to move from Urban Reserve District to CC600. This is submitted by Land Plan Engineering on behalf of Diamond Head LP, and the outstanding Becky Pepper is here to talk us through this. Thank you, I appreciate that very much. And I am going to try and share my screen here. All right, thank you. Um, my name is Becky Pepper, planning manager, and and yes, I am filling in for the uh, great and wonderful Mary Miller this uh, this evening. So, um, uh, please be kind. I will do my best to fill those giant shoes. Um, as you mentioned, these this uh, rezoning request is to rezone property that is located on the southeast corner of Sixth Street and K10 Highway from Urban Reserve to CC600 Community Commercial Centers District. And the property is approximately 33 acres. The site is currently undeveloped. The property was annexed in 2001 and rezoned to a commercial plan development overlay. And a development plan um, was approved for the property in 2002. Um, however, there were conditions of approval that were associated with that final development plan that needed to be completed um, prior to its final approval. And those con um, conditions were never completed. And as such, that approval, the approvals on the final development plan and the um, associated zoning expired. And so with that, the property then received the UR zoning district um, with that primary intention that it would provide that suitable classification for that newly annexed land. Um, this white dotted line that you see on the southern portion of the property, that is the um, the area, the, the southern boundary of the, the area identified for this rezoning. Um, as you can see, that, that dashed line does not meet the lot line um, uh, because the current plan um, would be to extend Ken Ridge Drive, which is this undeveloped cul-de-sac here, um, further to the uh, west. So the applicant did provide um, the previous 
approved development plan as the concept plan with this rezoning, um, which you can see here. Um, this does show the general concept that's being uh, proposed, but there um, uh, would be uh, more than likely some changes that would needed uh, be needed to that. Um, since this was approved uh, back in 2002, um, there have been some uh, new uh, standards and guidelines that have been uh, developed since that time. Um, for example, um, there is uh, the community commercial design standards were adopted in 2006. Um, they speak to items like building orientation um, and landscaping and other items that, that would be reviewed uh, under those guidelines. Um, and also, uh, uh, since this concept plan, the property was um, included as part of the West 6th Street K-10 nodal plan, which was adopted in 2003, and that later became incorporated into the West of K-10 plan. Um, in this area, plan does recommend that the 6th and K-10 node be incorporated. Uh, um, as a co community commercial area and did set limits to the amount of commercial development that would be possible in each quadrant. Um, the subject property is limited to no more than 60,000 square feet of retail uses. Um, and it may not be possible to develop the property with the uses uh, noted in the concept plan with this limit. Um, the amount of commercial uses would be monitored through the site plan to ensure that the 60,000 square foot uh, limit is met. So here you can see the the, re, the zonings and the land use in the area. Um, the area does contain a mix of, of zonings. There is the uh, CC 600 community commercial. There's also RS 7 single dwelling residential and UR urban reserve districts, that, which are the pre predominant zoning districts in the area. Um, the area is uh, in the early stages of development with properties adjacent to the subject property being undeveloped and then the land to the south being developed with residences. The undeveloped land uh, to the south of the subject property is zoned for multi-dwelling and residential land uses, which would be compatible with the um, proposed commercial zoning. Um, it, and we did receive public comment from property owners to the south of the property in the RM12 uh, district with concerns that the com uh, commercial development might not be compatible with residential land uses. The commercial commercial design guidelines contain several measures to ensure compatibility between commercial and residential uses, such as placement of less intense uses and smaller buildings closer to those residential areas and landscaping buffers between the zo two zoning districts. And then any site plan submitted would be um, uh, reviewed to ensure compatibility with those nearby residences. Another uh, criteria to, for review with the, the zoning is the character of the area. And for the purposes of this re review, the area encompassing the property and the surrounding properties um, that could be impacted during the development of the site are, is considered the neighborhood. Um, as notification of the rezoning request for future development is required within 400 feet of the subject property. Uh, properties within 400 feet of the subject property are typically included the, uh, in this review as the um, uh, area. Um, however, uh, since much of the area is developed, undeveloped, the neighborhood was expanded to about a thousand feet from the subject property. And so this area, this neighborhood at its western boundary of, uh, is at the western boundary of Lawrence. Um, and as I mentioned, is in various stages of development. The land immediately adjacent to the subject property is undeveloped and further to the south from West 6th Street is developed with residential uses, while the land to the north of 6th Street is developed with 
uh, non-residential uses that include a, a religious institution, a water tower, and a planned commercial node. And this rezoning would allow development in the southeast corner of the commercial node in the West 6th Street and K-10 uh, highway intersection to be developed with commercial uses. And this here is a um, future land use map taken from the uh, west of K-10 plan, uh, which this property uh, is located within that plan. And that plan recommends a CC 600 zoning for this property in its future land use map. Uh, you can see it here. It's noted uh, with this kind of dark red color. Um, and the plan states, like its northern uh, counterpart, this corner provides opportunity for a variety of residential, commercial, retail, and office activities. The commercial and retail uses will be located along the northern side of the corner of 6th Street Frontage and are designated CC 600. This corner is allocated 60,000 square feet of retail space. So condition zoning is being recommended for this to include the 60,000 square foot limitation on retail space. Uh, this graphic here is from the uh, Comprehensive Plan or Plan 2040 that shows the commercial map. And uh, the arrow here is pointed to this intersection, uh, which has um, been uh, designated in the Plan 2040 as a CC600 node. Um, the Comprehensive Plan contains recommendations for com uh, commercial uses requiring compatible transition to other less intense uses in the area, having buildings located near the right-of-way with parking further to the back, uh, and the standards are included in the commercial design standards and, and would be implemented with the site plan for um, the district as mentioned previously. And then lastly, I just want to briefly go over the other factors that are included in uh, the golden factor criteria. Um, sustainability, the UR district is intended as a holding district for newly annexed lands to avoid uh, premature development that is uh, not well suited by infrastructure or community services. Um, there is infrastructure services that are available in the area now and so and the surrounding area is developing and so the property is no longer suitable for this UR district zoning. Time vacant, the property was developed with a detached dwelling. Uh, no additional development has occurred since annexation in uh, 2001. Detrimental impacts, the property is planned for commercial uses. Uh, site plan review, um, which would include the review with commercial design standards and other required studies. There would be, um, with that review required, a traffic impact study, drainage study, uh, downstream sanitary sewer analysis. Um, and with those the studies and the review of those studies, and we'd be looking to ensure that uh, negative impacts are, are minimized. Um, and some of those impacts could include um, traffic, noise, lighting, et cetera. Uh, the gain from denial versus the hardship to the applicant. Uh, no benefit to the public would occur with denial of the request to rezone to CC 600. Uh, denial of the request would require the property remain underutilized in the UR district, um, which in this case permits uh, only that one residence and 33 acres of crop agriculture. And then reasonableness of the condition. Uh, the condition um, to limit the retail to uh, 60,000 square feet um, uh, would is one that is defined in the comprehensive plan and in the land development code um, and is compliant with compliant with the, the area plan. Uh, so with that, staff does recommend 
forwarding this rezoning to the city commission with a recommendation um, for approval based on the findings of fact presented in the staff report and subject to the condition that the maximum area of retail uses um, as defined in plan 2040 um, that may be located within this, the CC 600 district boundary um, be limited to 60,000 square feet. So with that I will stand for any questions and the applicant is also here. Becky, thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Maurer, I think uh, you're on again. Yeah. Uh, CL Maurer with Land Plan Engineering. Um, thanks, Becky, for the presentation. I know she wasn't working on it, Mary Miller was, but great, great presentation. Um, really, the only thing I have that I'm not real happy about is this 60,000 square feet. I mean, it's kind of arbitrary. I know what it is in plan 2040. I understand all that. It's four corners. And you guys have put all the commercial on the north and the northwest. And then you've divided it up, whatever's left for the south. Very little for the southwest corner. And we have some on it. That's the only thing I'm against on this. I understand what all that is. But I think we will go ahead and we want the CC600. Mr. Carpenter brought it up. If you zone it and you don't turn in something in, it goes to UR. We were not allowed to go forward with our, our final plat because we missed the deadline by a week. So we're, now we've waited 20 some odd years to come back. So uh, that's my only comment on this. We're happy to go ahead and get it zoned to CC 600. I'm not completely agree with the 6,000 or 60,000 square foot for retail. I don't understand that. This is a free country, and you guys have just spot zoned and told exactly how much square footage you have on a piece of property. I mean, I don't think that's fair to the applicant or anybody else that would come in here. So, other than that, I'm open for questions. Mr. Maurer, thank you. We're going to come back. Please don't go far away. We're going to come back okay. to you after public comment. <clears throat> Um, is there anyone here, um, either online or in the room, to speak to this item? If yes, please uh, step to the podium, name and address. Um, and please limit your comments to three minutes, if you would. Michael Kelly. I live at 1123 Brynwood Court. However, I'm the secretary, elected secretary of the Coves Townhomes Association, which is the RM12 property. We're 60 families that live adjacent to this zoning request. We're concerned about the possible use of industrial and maintenance in this, particularly air compressor actuated tools provide an acoustic problem. We don't think that would be compatible with this uh, neighborhood. The second part of this is this property is on a ridge line and it's above our neighborhood. It's very difficult to envision a buffer that will block out the lighting. You know, photometrics will be a problem to block out the lighting associated with commercial properties because they'll be at a higher level, higher elevation than our houses. When our property was zoned and developed and site planned, our developer was told we couldn't put fences on the rear of our property, and that was a condition. We could only put berms and shrubbery. 
So we've already got a limitation on our side of Kenridge Road that limits the amount of visual intrusion that this would pose. Plus we have the terrain poses a visual intrusion into our property. So that causes us some concern. I'd like to point out to everyone here, this is last Sunday's Journal World, and here's an article about the lack of open space and open space planning in Douglas County. The work on this apparently goes back some 20 years. And what's happened in the past 20 years? Well, a lot of our retail now is conducted electronically rather than in physical presence because we have greatly built out the internet and the bandwidth associated with it. So there's less need for physical commercial presence than there was 20 years ago when this was envisioned. So we'd ask the commission to consider that the elevation of this property over the neighborhood poses an inappropriate intrusion into the quiet well-being of our properties mainly from light and signs, but probably from acoustics if uh, industrial uses are permitted, maintenance uses are permitted, which is in the document. So we'd ask you to consider that this not be approved and that if anything uh, is approved, that we be given another bite at the apple to raise these issues again at subsequent steps in the process. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your comments. Is there anyone else in the room who wishes to speak to this item? Um, my name is Teresa Hamilton. I'm at 853 Renaissance Drive. And my concern is the access for, um, I didn't see the property happen uh, where you can turn off on 6th Street to get into if they build commercial. And off of George Williams, I don't think it should go through Ken Ridge, nor do I think you should have the access through uh, Renaissance. It's a very quiet neighborhood. Uh, we have lots of kids. I can't tell you the number of times I've had to stop for kids driving across the street, chasing a ball or riding their bicycle and stuff. And if you go, like, especially if you go on Renaissance and you open that up and you go through, to, and because we're going to have commercial property at the other end, we're going to have a tremendous amount of uh, traffic that people be going through there, driving fast. Um, you got to watch out for the kids and things like that. And I think that it would be better if they take it off. There's like a little indent off of George Williams now, either put the road accessed in from there into the commercial area and then off the 6th Street, but keep our area um, separate from all the commercial area. Um, we don't have any stop signs in our neighborhood. It's just the way it's it's designed. Um, and I can just see if when we get the commercial area, the people cutting through and going to the other side, or when they later on when they they, they end up getting those apartments in there, that we're going to have a tremendous amount of traffic going through our quiet neighborhoods. That basically the only people that are in there now are the ones that live there. So, so if they can just make it. Um, you know, if they end up doing commercial, take it off of George Williams and then off of Sixth Street, but not go into our neighborhood off of Ken Ridge or um, Renaissance. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hamilton. Anyone else in the room or online that wishes to speak to this item tonight? 
I don't see anyone else. Mr. Maurer, you have um, a few minutes to respond to anything that has been brought up. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, the only thing I'd like to add was uh, the connection to Renaissance as it goes down to the south, it's, that's a city request. The last time we came through this, as you saw on that one plan, it showed it going across and down. That was the city's request to have that go all the way through. Ken Rib was a cul-de-sac when we first did it. When we came back to the next plat, it was forced to go all the way through Renaissance. They wanted that all the way through. Okay, so, thank you for that. Just a little history on why that's shown that way. So thank you. Okay, thank you. And we'll uh, come back to the uh, commission. Um, who'd like to start? I have a question for um, the developer. Uh, so you, you said that um, the 60,000 square feet was something you didn't like what what is what is the um what would be what would what are you looking for what is what is the square footage that would be something well, i mean you if you look at it i think you got what, 300 some thousand up on the northwest corner 100 and some other 80,000 on the next corner i mean it's an arbitrary number that they've come up with that you want to have so many square foot on these intersections you're, you're, we don't know who wants to come out there and you're limiting those people to say, well, they can only be on that, that location or they can only be there. And I don't know what a fair number would be. Mm. Um, you know, it depends on who wants to come there, what realtor would like to come in or, you know, our lifetime fitness would like to come in there. Um, they have, what is it, 50, 55, 56, or 65,000 square foot building by themselves. And in our definition, they couldn't come here. And that's lifetime fitness with, you know, pickleball courts, pool, all that kind of stuff. That wouldn't be allowed. It had to go somewhere else. And that, that's what I'm saying. You, to put those arbitrary numbers to something which you don't know who they are, uh, you ought to at least wait until you see what the development is and then say, and we think that's too much commercial for whatever reason, because of traffic, because of sound, because we don't like that. That's the way that should be developed, not just an arbitrary number to it. Thank you. Thanks. I was going to ask that question too. How, how did we come up with the 60,000 foot limit? The number comes from the nodal plan that was adopted where it allocated 600,000 square feet to the node for the west of, uh, excuse me, not west of K-10 plan or actually I believe it was the West of K-10 plan. It allocated those nodes as part of the long range planning process that was adopted. So I wasn't here for when that number was was pulled out of thin air. I can't, I can't tell you why, but I can tell you that the 600,000 relates to the CC 600 zoning district, which is the 600,000 square foot commercial district. And so just to also kind of clarity, maybe for, for the commission's knowledge on that one, the land development code describes retail very specifically of meeting certain NAICS code requirements. So there may be businesses that would go in there, but not meet the qualification of being a retail. So there's various limits on those about, you know, you have to be in certain, what's called a sector code in, in the NAICS and the code very specifically outlines sector 44 and 45 as retail trade, 722 for food service, excuse me, food service and drinking places, 811 for repair and maintenance and 812 for personal and laundry services. So uh, 
maybe a great example would be a dentist office would not qualify as retail. Same as an office and some of those others would not qualify as retail. So they could go in there as that. But what we would look at is just going through the next codes to see what uses were going in there and if they met those requirements for the next codes as part of that that conditional zoning. So that's in um, 20-1107 if you kind of want to see those different differentials of what qualifies for retail versus not and related to the retail market study but that's kind of the numbers that we use to kind of gauge that interest on. I hope I answered your first question too. <laughs> It was an answer. I. Uh, it seems like there's reasoning behind it. You're saying, I can help with that. <laughs> this goes back to the big box store controversies when 31st in Iowa was coming in, and also Sixth uh, and Wakarusa with the second Walmart. Um, it was a hot topic in the community at all levels. And when nodal plans are done, they chose uh, this number with input from traffic and, and everybody else about what the intersections could handle and the amount of retail. It doesn't mean you can't modify the intersections to handle more. I mean, that's an engineering issue and you can fix things that way. But it came from when the city, when we first had the first big box stores after the original Kmart, started to come in. So when Best Buy, Menards, Second Walmart, all of those, it was really, um, there was a lot of conversation and it was about the same time the new codes were being done. So they drew this limit for each intersection. And I have to say that kind of went out the window with Sixth and Wakarusa. Um, but as Jeff said, it came down to the details and the definition of the structure and its use. So this only limited to retail and not other types of uses on the same land. And it was more about big box stores than anything else. So if it if it's something that should be changed, it's gonna have to be probably be initiated as a text amendment to the to the entire code. But these are the rules we have today. Um, it doesn't mean that you know the city commission can't start a text amendment or something to change that around if there's a need. Because as Mr. Mauer points out, that is one of the things, the controversies about this is it's basically you look at 150,000 square feet at each quadrant around the intersection, but it turns into first come first serve, gobbles that up. So there has to be some way to to look at that, but that's not built in right now. So that's that's really a city commission question. So to pile on. To pile on to what Commissioner Carpenter just said, I have a, a question. 60,000 square feet is 10% of the total that's available for the node. Um, where's the other 90% committed today, or is it committed? So that um, in the, the West of K-10 plan, they did um, identify square footage for each of the corners of that intersection. So that whole uh, intersection there, West West Six and uh, K10 Highway, is a, a CC 600 node, and so the the plan does call um, for the northeast corner to have 360,000 square feet associated with that. The northwest has uh, 155,000 square feet associated with it. The 
Um, southwest corner has 25,000 square feet associated with it. And then this subject property, which is the southeast corner, has that 60,000 square feet associated with it. And if you total that all up, it comes to 600,000 square feet. Gotcha. And I'm not saying, I don't want to jump too far ahead and presume that we were proving anything, but um, I'm just asking the question, if, if we did decide to approve, is there, is there anything that says we couldn't um, take from the northwest um, allotment of, of whatever you just said it was, 100 and some odd thousand, and apply that to the southeast, um, given the, the east side of K-10 seems more ready for development than west at this point? You could go through that process. That would require a comprehensive plan amendment. Those nodes are outlined as part of the west of K-10 sector plan. So it's not a derivative of the land development code. It's a product of the long-range planning document out there. So that is a possibility. You can go through that effort and, and initiate that process. And just to remind the commission is we are looking at the west of K-10 plan right now. It's uh, underway and we're getting that process started. So I think that's it's a point of discussion. I don't know if it's kind of all made it all the way through that comment period, but we've have heard some of those points along the way. It's not for tonight, though, is what we're saying. You correct. You just the comprehensive plan amendment. There's not one initiated for tonight. This is just a, a rezoning request related to a specific property. Very good. All right. Thank you. Any other questions, comments amongst the commissioners? What else is on your minds, Mr. Carpenter? Well, when I first saw that concept plan, my first reaction was that is a lot of impermeable space uphill from a neighborhood. Um, so I understand that part of the process will be looking at drainage plans and all the engineering that goes with that. So I guess my real question for that is <coughs> in, in order to carry the increased capacity of stormwater runoff, who bears the cost of that if you have to dig up everything in a neighborhood to the south to make the pipes bigger? And I don't know who can answer that. That would be if associated with the, the uh, development activity and would be um, a part of the development costs. Okay. And at what stage would all those determinations be made? Uh, that would be, you know, and part of the um, the the next development process steps. Uh, so, with the um, uh, planning of the property, or uh, with the uh, site plan activities, uh, whether that be um, uh, one site plan for the entire property, or if uh, multiple site plans come in throughout the process, uh, uh, they would be required with each of those. Thanks, and that that brings me back to the public comment about. Do we, would there be other opportunities to be heard? And there are many um, along this road. Uh, the rezoning itself will go to the city commission. That's a chance. And then if any, if it happens to be approved there, if we recommend approval and it's approved there, um, then you've got site planning, which can be challenged, which is can present several more opportunities for input. So there are many, many stages along the way uh, for the neighbors to be involved in this process. Um, I guess my last comment is, you know, this has been on the maps to be developed this way for a long time um, prior to, I think, any of these houses being built out there. So this is one of those situations which is, 
I, you know, you hate to say it. It's it's like from Hitchhiker's Guide to the you know Galaxy. The plans were on file in the you know in the lower drawer of the office on this other planet, you know, halfway across the galaxy. But but these were on the city website. They were all out there about these intersections have always been tagged for commercial development, and so I I, I don't see a reason that exists for us to recommend a denial of the rezoning itself. It's going to have a lot of fine tuning and tinkering that goes with it. And a lot of that will be administrative and on in many, many parts of those will be in front of the city commission to hear concerns and to fine tune it all the way down to initiating text amendments that would come back to us for review and recommendation also. So it's one of those things. Do I like it? Maybe not, but it meets all the all the requirements of the code in in my mind right now. <clears throat> Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. Other comments or thoughts? Well, when Miss Hamilton brought up uh, about the the traffic from the commercial development going into the neighborhood, that. Uh, Mr. Meyer said that was not on your plan to extend the road, that the city put that in, and that's what would cause the traffic to be dumped into the neighborhood. Is is there any way to say it could only be, the commercial development could only be accessed from 6th Street or George Williams and not not go through the neighborhood? It'd be hard to say right now without knowing the development scheme, what's required for the fire code and the access points on that one. But I could see that being the case. There is some limitations that other developments have run into that and, and had modifications to do a similar accommodation. But kind of just with the rezoning, it, the concept's probably not far enough along for us to kind of be able to say yay or nay in that regard yet. But downstream, that is a possibility. Yes, I would, yeah, MSO would take a look at that and make those comments because they are very sensitive to those concerns about you know unloading commercial traffic into neighborhoods and making sure that the ingress and egress is appropriate for the amount of use that is going on in there. So that is one of their things they look at. Okay. And I'd also point out that the, the property isn't platted, so a major subdivision would be required. You know, the first step of that is a preliminary a preliminary plat, which would come to the Planning Commission um, for approval and um, for an opp another opportunity for public input. So, so Becky, uh, is that preliminary plat after like the drainage study and such, or is that before? Um, it. It would be uh, before, um, and then okay. those would come with the site plans. I see. But the roads and access points would be on as part of their preliminary plan. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Those would come in as part of your preliminary platting process. And it's also very common to see some of that kind of preliminary work also start showing up in that platting process. So it's not a totally unknown commodity. And we have talked in the past about the developer meeting with the neighborhood, having yeah. meetings with the neighborhood to say, where are you with this? Uh, it seems like that would be a reasonable expectation. Somebody should say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. Once we have a, yeah. Oh, 
Sorry. <laughs> we have to have a definite a user for this. I mean, that's as soon as we know that, then we have a better idea of what will develop first and how much. So, it's been sitting here for 20 some odd years. So, you know, it's, it's ready to go. Yeah, something is going to go in out there. Yes. It is not going to remain shrubs or cedars, stick whatever it is out there. Yeah. At that point in time, we'll have a better feel of how, what they're looking for, what size building, what are they looking for, how much parking they need, whether they are commercial or not commercial. You know, there's a lot of uses out there it could be. So, yes. Okay. And there will be a neighborhood meeting for that. Okay. Yes. Good conversation. Anything else from the commissioners? I, uh, I, I lean uh, to support this uh, rezoning. Um, um, uh, I know there's a lot of questions that are outstanding, and this is the first step. Um, down that path, but uh, I'm inclined to support. Uh, I really do appreciate all of the uh, public feedback, um, but, and, and as well as all of the written um, comments that have come in. That's going to help shape how this ultimately develops. Um, with that, uh, does anyone care to make a motion? Sure, Rex Road. Before we go to a motion, I, I yeah. just want to state that I unexpectedly was absent for some of the discussion here, so I, I intend to abstain from the, the vote on this one. As Thank you, Mr. Munch. Thank you, Mr. Munch. Mr. Duver, you had your hand up? Yep. I'll uh, make a motion. I, yeah, I'll make a motion. Approve the request to rezone Z22-00404, approximately 33 acres at 6150 Kenridge Drive from UR to CC600 District and forward to the City Commission with a recommendation for approval based on the findings presented in the staff report and subject to the condition listed in the report. I have a second. I'll second. Thank you, Mr. Burrell. Um, and Jeff, would you please call the roll? Uh, point of order, Mr. Chair, would you, is the commission have any discussion before the roll vote? Ah, thank you. Any other, any final discussion? <laughs> Seeing none, Mr. Crick, please. Commissioner Baroto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Kelso? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7-0. Thank you. Before we jump into our last item tonight, which I expect uh, to to have a bit of discussion and maybe feedback. I wonder if we ought to take a five minute break. Is that okay with everyone? Yes. All right, let's do that. Call five minute recess, come back, uh, let's say at uh, 7.45 p.m. Central. Set and ready to come back from recess. From our break. This thing, Charlie. Uh, Commissioner Rexford, we're missing one planning commissioner here in the room. It'd probably be about another minute, I suspect. All right. <laughs> Unless he stopped and talked to something. <laughs> <laughs> and then who knows how long it'll be. Exactly. <laughs>
of the uh, South Orange Traffic Way and US 59. This is submitted by Land Plan Engineering on behalf of the 350 Iowa Development Group and the still wonderful Sandy Day is here to talk us through the item. Thank you, Sandy Day. Um, this item, like the other two that you have seen tonight, is one piece of a puzzle. Um, the applicant, the gist of the applicant's request is really to kind of move the project forward to be able to address some policy questions, um, both with the Planning Commission and with the City Commission. With that, I'm going to um, start a share screen here. Let's see if this works. And can you confirm if you can see my screen yet? Um, not, not yet. Not yet. Okay. There you go. Can you see it now? <laughs> yes. Okay, great. Thank you. So the annexation is for 143 acres. There is no rezoning. There is no concept plan that is proposed with this application. It is just the zoning request. Um, this project is located on the south side of what is now K-10 Highway and U.S. Highway 59. It includes three parcels. Um, ultimately, the development include, will include or would include a property that's already in the city limits. Um, the property is currently zoned AG1, is agricultural uh, in nature. And then on the east side of the subject property is an existing county road, but would be Michigan Street extended. This is a slide highlighting where the existing utilities are that serve this property. There is, I believe, one small sanitary sewer crossing um, uh, underneath the highway. Development of the property would include the full complement of public improvements that would have to be developed for the site that typically comes with the subdivision process, um, identifying the streets, the water, the sewer, um, those components with um, that phase of a development. Um, the property is accessible. Um, there is uh, West 
5th Street within the city limits and then N 1250 Road on the north side. That's an existing designated collector street. As I mentioned, Michigan Street extended to the south along the east property line and Highway 59. Staff has been involved uh, with this property for a number of years, going back all the way to 2013, 2014. There's been a number of applications that have come forward rather than try to reconstruct and resurrect a lot of that, that history moving forward. Um, we opted to, to kind of start fresh um, with the project for the annexation and show you what is the existing condition of the property today. Um, the property is located in tier two of the urban growth area. And then you can see where that small extension of tier one property extends to the south. And that's where the project abuts existing city limits on um, kind of that northern and western boundary of the backwards L shape. One of the significant issues in annexation is this discussion of what is community benefit. This is taken directly out of Plan 2040. Um, community benefit may include, but is not limited to some of those specific provisions that are listed um, in the staff report that are listed on this slide. They talk about a, a permanent affordable housing, but also the provision of land, amenities, and facilities for public purposes preservation of significant amounts of envir environmentally sensitive lands above that is minimally required for the code. That's a component that we actually end up looking at both in the subdivision process and any kind of site plan process that would come forward um, as a future application. The creation of um, primary em uh, employment opportunities and then ag addressing um, goals of the City Commission's current strategic plan. So those are some of the community benefits that can be considered. The applicant provided um, a list of what they believe the community benefits are. That was an attachment in your packet here. I've just tried to digest them a little bit. I know this text is very small and I apologize. Um, the summary of this community benefit gives us a glimpse into what the applicant's intent for development is, which is a mixed use development that includes um, both small and larger lot residential uses, as well as um, commercial and service areas, as we've talked about. Um, public purposes such as parks, cultural amenities, um, enhancements of the gateway along um, Highway 59, that has been a topic of this project, a topic of discussion of this project in previous applications. Um, the property also has quite a bit of uh, floodplain, and so I'll talk about that in just kind of um, a moment here. But that just kind of gives you a glimpse of um, kind of the, the design that might come forward with this project. And the applicant can speak to that in more detail. Um, this property is encumbered by regulatory floodplain. Part of it is floodway, which would be an undevelopable portion of the land. And then there is floodway fringe, um, which is developable within the, the city limits, um, but with certain conditions. And I believe one of the questions that was uh, floated around the difference between um, the county floodplain regulations and the city floodplain regulations, if you compare them side by side, they're very comparable regulations. 
the city, and according to the city stormwater engineer, Matt Bond, I did talk with him specifically about that question, um, the city regulations are actually more stringent. And that is because when property is annexed, when it is rezoned, um, we do have those additional provisions that accommodate or account for development requiring um, the floodplain zone boundary. Uh, we talk about freeboard or that additional two feet um, above what is the base flood elevation that also has to be protected and preserved. So that's one of the significant differences between the county zoning, uh, I'm sorry, the county floodplain regulations and the city floodplain regulations. Um, one of the, the things that's very different about this application from previous applications um, is that there is a known quantity now of what the intersection of Highway 59 and K-10 is going to be looking like. Uh, in previous applications, that was still under discussion. It was still being designed and talked about, um, whereas there is much more assurance now of, of what that looks like, what kind of right-of-way requirements will be required for the intersection. The intersection from KDOT has always been an expectation that this area will develop and needing to provide appropriate access opportunities um, to both the adjacent land use, but then also the interchange from one highway to another. Um, one of the requirements um, that the property be continuous to city limits to annex and develop to urban standards when um, city services are reasonably available. That is um, an, a comment from uh, Plan 2040. Property is not actively, I'm sorry, utility services are not actively serving this property. They can be extended reasonably so. Um, as part of that K-10 construction with the interchange that I just showed you, I think the city will probably try to do some coordination to stub out the necessary lines um, as we can or as that's available. I'm not sure where that is in the comprehensive, um, the, the uh, capital improvement plan. Sorry, getting, getting past my bedtime here. <laughs> This, um, this slide is to show you that the property is part of the revised Southern Development Plan. We have seen previous applications to revise the Southern Development Plan. Um, right now, a chunk of it is identified for medium density residential development. Um, as you can see, kind of that orange striped area, there is existing commercial development, and then the bulk of the property is identified for open space. It, it would be reasonable to assume that prior to a specific development application or concurrent with a development application, um, some revision to the revised Southern Development Plan would probably be brought forward by the applicant depending on um, what is the scope of their intended development. From their community benefit statement, uh, I think they are looking at some different kinds of options. Um, and so that's part of why I would anticipate that this would be a future uh, application revision. Um, the other thing is that this property has uh, a long-standing um, history of being um, identified for future development in the revised Southern Development Plan. It's been around for a quite some time. Um, 
as I mentioned, some of the future applications that would be coming forward would be that revision to the plan, specific rezoning applications. So there is kind of a time frame if the applicant does not come forward um, in a fairly short period. Uh, I think it's in the staff report and I can't think of it off the top of my head at the moment. Um, the property has to be rezoned. If the applicant does not come forward, the city commission may initiate rezoning for the property. Um, those zonings could include uh, urban reserve, which is kind of that holding zone, or if there's a known development project, um, the applicant would come forward with specific zoning that would correlate with what their intended development is. Subdivision, uh, this is raw land, it's unplatted, so they would be doing the full um, preliminary and final platting. Uh, preliminary plat would be an item that would come before this body as well as the zoning and revisions to the plan. Public improvement plans, um, you can see in the staff report that those were assessed. Um, much more detail is needed to be able to um, fully understand both what is needed from the municipal side based on the applicant's request and um, who's going to have what share of, of those uh, improvements in there. And then for anything that is other than a single family or a duplex residential development, a site plan would be required for uh, future development of this property. Staff's recommendation is for approval of the annexation and um, Moving forward, this discussion about the community benefit and um, how the commission wants to see that kind of um, framework in reviewing these kinds of projects as we come forward will be helpful for staff. I'm happy to answer any questions, and I believe the applicants there in the room to answer questions for you for their presentation. Thank you, Sandy. Sure. And Mr. Maurer, again, it's a busy night. Oh. <laughs> Somebody else is done. Oh, curveball. Uh, my name is Philip Struble with Land Plan Engineering. I'm representing this project tonight, just giving uh, CL a little break. Um, and thank you, Sandy. That was a that was a great summary, great analysis. We appreciate working with you and getting to this point on this project. Uh, and you hit the nail on the head, and that this is one piece of the puzzle. And we appreciate the idea that um, we're starting fresh. Uh, this has very, will probably have very little resemblance to the previous submittals to this corner that have been floated before. And, and that's part of the rationale from our side of taking this one step at a time. And we're starting with annexation. Uh, and, and Sandy's right in that if you look through the list of uh, our rationale for our community benefit, we do have some pretty concrete ideas of what we want to see happen on this piece of ground. Um, and we're going to proceed with those ideas once we've accomplished step one, which is getting annexed. We think that's a pretty rational process in this. Um, chances are that we're going to ask probably not for any uh, variances or waivers. I mean, we're going to come in with a preliminary plat. It's going to be a total mixed-use development. One of the things, and, and you'll see that from our uh, list of community benefits that we're bringing in, is a mixture of um, 
housing types, a mixture of uh, commercial types, com a mixture of uses throughout this site. Um, we love the idea that we're, we're adjacent to the Baker wetlands and our plans are gonna reflect that we wanna take as much advantage of that as we can. Um, we are in tier two. We do understand that there'll be some significant infrastructure extension requirements. We will be working uh, extensively with the MSO to figure out and get through all the stormwater, all the sanitary sewer. We've already been working with KDOT on that interchange that you saw on the plans. Uh, quite frankly, that is the product of the last generation of this, where they finally realized the potential of this intersection. So they took it upon themselves to incorporate the amount of traffic that could come from our development. And quite frankly, this is probably slightly less than that. So we feel very good about that. We've been working on a traffic study for this project now for about four months, counting traffic at various intersections throughout this part of town to make sure that we can answer questions about the traffic. Um, so um, we are excited about this. We've got some good uh, ideas about it. It's, it's gonna be uh, a little novel uh, type of a development for Lawrence. One of the things that you will see in our in, when we bring our application in, and we we're fairly certain that that's going to be within the next two months. We're going to be bringing in a preliminary plat. Um, is that we really see this, and if you think about it, that this is the southern gateway to Lawrence, Kansas. You know, right south of us is the Wakarusa River, and you're going to have to go another mile to a mile and a half before development starts up again. And so this is really going to be the southern entrance into Lawrence for a considerable amount of time. We want to do it right. We've met and talked with KDOT. I think Jeff has been involved in some of the conversations about how we deal with the bridges that you're going to see as you come in on, on 59 from the south heading north. As you enter into Lawrence, you're going to see our development off to the right. We want to make sure that we hold up our end of being a very welcoming, uh, a very friendly entrance into our community. Um, so with that... Um, I don't think I wrote down, uh, we do anticipate that you're going to have to modify your Southern development plans and, and we will be working with city staff on how that's going to happen. Um, but other than that, I just uh, ask that you vote in favor of our annexation request and I'd be happy to answer any questions when the time is right. Thank you. Mr. Dribble, thank you so much. Have an opportunity now for public comment. Um, if you're in the room, please come to the podium. If you're online, please raise a hand. Um, state your name, address, and limit it to three minutes. I don't see anyone in the room. Is anyone in the room here to speak on? Yes, sir, please. Yeah, my name's Richard Hurd. I live at 1134 East 1300 Road. I live directly south of this property. I live on the 200 acres plus. Uh, on the south side of the Wakarusa River. Uh, I've lived at this property for uh, 40 years, give or take. And my my concern is just about the floodplain, uh, about this development and stuff coming in, being concerned if anyone's made any studies or 
thoughts about the impact of possibly, you know, added flooding that might had take take place in this area in the 40 years I've been there. The Wakarusa has come out of uh, come out of the banks about four, maybe five times. Uh, once as recently as August 2019, it came out of the banks about two two to three feet. It always Clinton Lake does a very good job of controlling the water, but it what we I've seen is you get the rain to the south, like in the Lone Star area, you get a seven, six, seven, eight inch rain overnight. It bypasses the Clinton Lake and then it floods that area. So I was just concerned, you know, the development. There's an awful lot of floodplain. It looks like on the north side of the river, and I'm just concerned about, you know. Uh, adding more floodability for the, you know, for high rains. So just want to make sure people kind of think about that and think about as farmers that got the farmland down there in the low, in the bottom's land, because that is floodplain. And it does get out of the banks occasionally. All right. Thank you, Mr. Hurd. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyone else in the room care to comment? Yes. Good evening, Commissioners. Good evening. My name is Penny Von Aachen. I live at 1346 East 2350 Road in Eudora. As I look at this parcel of land that's in question, I see its current use as agriculture, woodland, and regulatory floodplain, or that's its current zoning. To the west is agriculture and regulatory floodplain. To the south is agriculture, floodplain, and the river, the Wakarusa. To the east is agriculture, a fragile wetlands, a nature preserve, and floodplain. Into these surrounding natural areas and farm fields, this applicant wants to insert a 178-acre commercial development with a residential subdivision and an entertainment district. This strikes me as a remarkably incompatible and insensitive land use for this area. For more than a decade, the planning commissions, the city commissions, and the county commissions have steered development west of town and have avoided development to the south along Iowa. We've seen such proposals before, and each was rejected. One reason given at that time was the impact such projects would have on the adjacent river, its flooding, into farm fields and the wetlands that it's adjacent to. Another concern was the certainty that once we crossed Iowa with such a project, it would open up all of that area for future development to the south. And that was something that wanted, we wanted to push down the road as far as possible. That would erase our farmland, our natural areas, and the wildlife they support, and any semblance of our unique community. So I urge you to think about what you really want this community to look like and to be, and to vote against this annexation. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comments. Is there anyone else in the room or online that's here to speak on this matter tonight? Yes, Mr. Holcomb. Thank online. you. Thank you, Planning Commissioners. I appreciate it. Well, I, I really don't want to have all your eyes roll when I bring up uh, John Locke. 
Uh, some of you may remember that in one of those first classes you had on philosophy. Uh, John Locke uh, had a lot to do with the developing of the Constitution. And he said, you know, land is not worth anything if you don't develop it. Not worth a damn. Well, there's another, I su uh, submit to you, another position. You know, the result of that has been, of course, manifest destiny, doctrine of discovery, and you can go on and on. And I think it shows up in our planning, although 2040 did elevate uh, the environment to one of the priorities in when you concern development in of itself. So I represent uh, Lettuce, Lawrence Ecology Teams United Sustainability, and we are opposed to this. Uh, there's not really been much of an environmental assessment done. We know the onslaught is going to begin with the extension of the South Lawrence traffic way, uh, more traffic, uh, and I think it increases the problem of uh, water, and water in itself is such an important issue and flowing into the river is going to increase by this matter. So I uh, ask that it really be considered seriously as far as what is a community benefit. Which community? We're losing our biodiversity so fast, it's just unbelievable. And I think that the benefit is to remain as agriculture, to remain that area as uh, the far reaches as at this point of the limits of the city. And I ask that you consider that and examine it in the terms of it having value in and of itself. Thank you for your time. Mr. Holcomb, thank you so much for your comments. Is there anyone else here tonight to speak on this matter? Anyone else in the room? Seeing none, Mr. Struble, you have a few minutes to respond if you care to. Uh, thank you. I really don't have any additional comments, and I would stand for any questions that you might have during your deliberations. Thank you. All right, thank you. With that, I'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. Um, who'd like to begin? I have a question for Sandy. Uh, Sandy, um, can you talk about the uh, extent of the floodplain in terms of like what area, how much of the 143 acres is in the floodplain and how much uh, are we going to set aside? And also, what is the, um, Mr. Hurd uh, referenced the Wakarusa uh, coming out four times, you know, like how, what kind of floodplain is it? How much analysis has been done about that? that can you just tell, you know, talk about that, please? Sure. Sandy Day planning. And the information I'll give you is very high level. Um, and, and the applicant may be able to give you more details about that. A, from the slide, if you recall, um, a significant amount of the property is encumbered by what we call regulatory floodplain. And that comprises both floodway and the floodway fringe areas, if you think about that. Um, we have not received any documentation from the applicant in terms of what uh, the downstream impacts will be from proposed development. Um, when we're looking at just the annexation, that's not necessarily unusual that we don't have those supporting studies. Um, that would be a part of 
the application process with definitely with the platting, um, taking a look at that. And through that, what would happen is we would start to identify land areas that would be unencroachable. They could be set up as tracks in the plan, uh, in the plat. Um, so that would probably encompass much of the floodway as well as some probably additional areas of the floodway fringe a piece of that. I can't give you quantified numbers of, of the acreage or the portion of that within the context of, of the request for the annexation of 140 some odd acres. And, and would you say that um, like it's concerning that, you know, the fact that we've had it uh, for flood four or five times in recent history, like how much weight do we need to give to that or how much weight has been given to that already? Sandy Day planning. There's been a lot of issues why the applications have failed in the past. Um, occasionally they moved forward from planning commission with recommendation for denials and failed at the city commission. Some of the applications have been withdrawn. There's really a number of issues that were associated with um, the failures of the previous applications. Um, some of it was that the proposed request was for all commercial development, and that was um, not a successful application. It was too much commercial. That was part of the analysis of the Comprehensive Plan Amendment at that time. Other applications did like what this one is doing where they broke it out into parts and tried to deal with um, certain components of it, um, such as the comprehensive plan amendment, the annexation, maybe the zoning, but not doing the development plan, the platting, the site planning piece of it, trying to move forward in these different pieces. Access and work with KDOT was a significant tripping point for previous applications understanding how access would be provided to this property, certainly with a commercial component, having direct access from Highway 59 was a significant design element and consideration. And so that was a significant challenge to move through. Um, this application, um, the advantage it has is that there's now more known information about what that interchange is going to look like from KDOT. So that hurdle is cleared, but we still have many other hurdles to clear prior to development moving forward with this. Thank you. Commissioner Carpenter. While we're on floodplain, I'll just refer everybody back to our January mid-month where we had a presentation mm -hmm. on flooding and stormwater issues in town. And one of the takeaways for me was our current floodplains are growing and that's mostly because of upstream development. We just had an item on our agenda tonight with 33 acres of basically impervious surface, which if you look at the interactive map, is in the floodway that goes right down to the <clears throat> Wakarusa on the east side of the dam. So it's not controlled by Clinton Lake and it goes straight into the river. So we can have a reasonable expectation that as we start to, you know, fill in um, west of K-10, south of 6th Street, 
Um, this is all going straight into the Wakarusa. So we increase the risk of flooding on this property. So just for that, there's, you know, we have, I do have concerns about those issues with the floodplain, but I have a lot of other issues too, but I'll just stick with that one right now. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, I'd like to maybe pile onto that with a couple of questions. Um, how is so? So I I understand by looking at the the plans, the, the preliminary plans that are that are imagined right now, that that area in the floodplain near the Wakarusa that is not meant to be developed. That's that that it is declared open space. Is that ac is that an accurate statement I've just made? Sandy Day planning. Um Yes, I, I that's that's how it'll be reflected in additional applications that come forward. Yes. So I guess a couple questions then. Um, one, how is a declaration or a promise um, uh, that that be held as open space? How is that how is that promise maintained in the long term? In other words, the concerns that are there are that that we need to maintain this ability. We don't want to we don't want to make worse the problems we have with water trap uh, traffic. So how is how is that promise maintained? And then second is if we don't intend to develop there, if that's actually not going to be developed. Why annex that particular part? Why not annex draw the annexation line a little bit farther north? Sandy Day planning. There's a, probably a couple of approaches to look at that. So how do we first maintain that promise? One, that is part of the land development code today. I can't imagine that would change in the future, that there are certain prohibitions. Thou shalt not build in the floodway, period. We don't do it. We don't permit it. We don't allow it with very, very, very limited exceptions. That's and that requires a variance. That's um, one of the benefits of the city's land use code, correct? That's that's part of yes, that's part of it. Right. Um, the county the county regulation has some some certain things um, that are very comparable to the land development code in terms of prohib prohibiting building in the flood way. Those two things align exactly. Um, other things that we can do by bringing the project, and, and this is more planning theory and coming at it from that direction, when we look at a whole piece of land um, and bringing it in, that does allow us to do a level of planning that we're, we're able to look at it holistically. So um, in some projects we've seen in, in even some of the early projects, um, I think we looked at a plan development, not that I'm advocating a plan development as a zoning, just that you can both incorporate those natural areas. So, um, the floodway, stands of mature trees, you can incorporate those components into the design, keep it under a uniform control, all in the city, all in the county, all under a development plan, all under conventional zoning. Um, we would plat the property. One of the other tools we could do, uh, platting uh, uh, the property or the area that you want to protect as a tract. You can't get a building permit unless 
the plop property is platted as a lot. If it's platted as a tract, I can't issue a building permit for it. So there are some tools there that would allow us to be able to um, uphold those promises about not developing in certain areas. The subdivision process would allow us, along with the necessary documentation from the applicant, so the studies, the, the traffic study, the um, downstream sanitation, you know, the utility studies, the stormwater studies would help us be able to evaluate the design of that subdivision to make sure those components are protected, as well as elements that are in the land development code that require protection of sensitive areas. Very good. And um, all those tools you mentioned, um, do we, does this body need to or have the opportunity to condition an approval based on any of those things happening? Sandy Day planning, is your question about conditioning the annexation on those things happening? Yes, ma'am. Um, that's one that I would maybe ask Randy or Jeff to respond to because I am not certain on that. Commissioner Rexrode, I'm not aware of an ability to condition an a annexation. Uh -huh. But... I'm see Randy's kind of getting on the call too, but I'm I'm not aware of off the top of my head where you can condition annexations. Okay. This is Randy Larkin, Deputy uh, City Attorney. Uh annexations are legislative as opposed to a uh uh other action when you're dealing with quasi-judicial and the zoning. So it's legislative, so you don't typically uh don't have conditions on annexation or the land use. That'll come later in any type of rezoning or type of other deals. You can do that through that, but not through the annexation process. So this is just to bring it within the city's purview, basically. There'll be additional processes downstream from this where those actions would be taken. Yes, absolutely. This is just the initial step of getting the property within the city so the city can then either do things with it or, or work with the owners to have things done on the property. Got it. Thank you both. Thank you all three. Yes, Mr. Munch. Uh, but related question there. So I, I see in Plan 2040 a reference to an annexation agreement that would be entered upon uh, potential approval by the city commission. Can, can Sandy, can you speak to what's involved with that document? What goes into that? Are conditions or other things possible terms included there? Sandy Day planning. Um... I, I am going to lean on Jeff on that one. I have not done an annexation agreement. And you and there are a lot of different things that can go into the agreements, and you know we've it's kind of a new one for us. We haven't done those previously, but you can include certain things about utilities and and those kind of items that can be rolled into that one. But it's really it's kind of a dis, a growing document to figure out like you know what does it look like and how does it entail and what does the promises on both sides to make it come through so it, it's it is new for us it's something we'd have to kind of give a test balloon to because we haven't done one previously got it and and with that in mind so plan 2040 refers to the fact that the community benefit would be uh addressed in the annexation agreement do we have a sense of what that might look like it, are, would would it be essentially just like the general outline that we receive in the report today or would there be something with a little more specifics as to we're setting aside 10 acres for this kind of park and this is what it's going to look like 
Great question. It's kind of all to be determined as part of that process when it starts to unfold and have those conversations. And is that a process where public input is involved in the development of the annexation agreement? Or is it more, we recommend approval tonight, city commission approves it, and then it's just hashed out behind closed doors among the staff and the applicant? Sandy, oh, Jeff, I, I'll jump in a little bit here. So part of that would be taken from what direction you as the commission have about what community benefit is. So when I made my presentation and I said, you know, getting direction from the commission on community benefit, um, that's part of that commentary that ultimately will go to the city commission who will enter into that agreement. So I would imagine that we're going to have to draft something that will be on the city commission's agenda to receive as well um, that specific document. Got it. Can I piggyback on that uh, question from Commissioner Munch? I, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I've got to leave in like five minutes so I can just make a couple comments. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be here for any vote. My biggest concerns here, simply the loss of farmland and anything in a river bottom it's uh, marrying into a family that lives or were raised on a Caw Valley River uh, land uh, that's halfway between the Caw and the Wakarusa. It's plain flat some of the best farmland in the state, if not the country. And then also the, the, the flooding possibilities. And I remember that the, the 2019 incident of the six to eight inches and Charlie and I were on the fair board at the time when our fair board president, his parents woke up to like six foot of water around their house up on the side of the house. So I know how fast that came up out of nowhere. So those, those are my two biggest concerns. Thank you, Mr. Kelso. Uh, Mr. Carpenter, I know you had your hand up here for quite a bit. I'll come back to you then Mr. DeBurr. No, I, I'm, it's, it's very interesting where commissioner Munch went and commissioner Rexrow where you were, um, some of these items came up at the uh, Land Development Code Steering Committee meeting, just the last one, um, about annexation and these types of agreements. Um, it was the discussion, as Jeff pointed out, is it doesn't look like we can condition our recommendation for approval on any of these items in the letter. I mean, we just have to trust that they're going to follow through and work something out with the city. We can't make sure it happens because, as Randy said, this is just about whether this land comes under the jurisdiction of the city or not, period. That's all we can do. And the rest is just, you know, there are promises on a piece of paper and nothing's in a signed agreement. And that's what the, the agreement that's referenced in Plan 2040 is about. And... A lot of these things don't have code for them yet because that's what's coming in the land development code update, just how to codify all these ideas in plan 2040, especially about annexation. But it brings me kind of back. The biggest issue uh, in the past has been whether or not the city will extend infrastructure south of the SLT. In fact, the, one of these came up it was approved by a planning commission. The city commission denied it, and there was a lawsuit over that. And then that lawsuit was dismissed by the plaintiff, uh, the developer, because they filed a subsequent plan, which 
was denied um, a text amendment to the to update the area plan by the planning commission um, on a 10-0 vote actually. Um, so that brings me, if the city annexes land, are there any legal obligations on the part of the city to provide infrastructure in any um, set time period? I guess to Randy or Jeff or Sandy, whoever knows the answer. <laughs> This is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Uh, it depends on which section of the uh, code under the, of the state statutes that we come under, whether or not we have to provide in, uh, the <coughs> infrastructure by a certain time. Um, since this is like a voluntary and an application by the owner, um, we would not have any requirement to do that. And it would, it would probably end up being borne by the developer. Now, if this was a unilateral uh, annexation by the city, then the city has a, a period of time where they have to provide uh, infrastructure to that property, or the owner could then petition the county to de-annex the property. So there's some things like that. So this, since this is a voluntary annexation, we do not have an obligation by granting annexation to provide infrastructure to the property, they would have, you know, we could work with them, but ultimately it'd probably be on the developer under city policies and city code. Thanks. So in this situation, well, let me ask, is there anything in the current um, CIP about extending infrastructure south? Sandy Day Planning, I do not believe the current CIP has um, that work scheduled. That would be one of the policy questions the applicant would want to take up with the City Commission and how that would move forward in a future update to the CIP. There are some associated projects like plans and studies that are underway for some of the other larger infrastructure in the area, but I don't recall if they have been construction funded for future years or if that was just for the planning and the study of it. I, I don't happen to have that off the top of my head, Commissioner Carpenter. All right. I have a tangential thought on that, uh, Commissioner Carpenter's question. I, shoot, I skipped over you, uh, Commissioner Duver, please. No problem. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask uh, Mr. Struble, um, one of the benefits listed is um, affordable housing. Can you talk about what you have proposed? Like, what what do you mean by affordable? Um, what is that going to look like? And um, how much of the development is going to be affordable housing? Uh, Philip Struble, Land Plan Engineering. Uh, we envision uh, hitting uh, four housing uh, market segments in this development. One of those market segments is going to be uh, a, a small uh, apartment slash townhouse project. Um, we do not envision that today to be a, um, I'm not going to say it's not going to be a market or, or not going to be a market rate housing type project uh, because we haven't gotten far enough into that. We have a section, and I believe some of our schematics have it between um, 
60 and 80 lots of 60 foot wide lots, dense development, uh, detached housing, uh, of which our determination, our idea of affordable housing is housing that people that work for me can live in. <clears throat> they are not subsidized housing. That's our affordable housing component. The other two sections of housing that we have in here is a townhouse component. And then one of the biggest holes in our housing market in Lawrence as a whole are large, large lot residential. And we're going to have a small section in this development that has, um, you know, a, a housing type where people are selling their housing and can move up, thereby opening uh, entry-level housing for other people. So that's our idea of affordable housing. Thank you. I'm going to go back to a, uh, a comment um, that I was thinking about uh, following on with the uh, uh, Commissioner Carpenter's question around um, plans to extend infrastructure across. You know, I, I don't know exactly how that process works. I'm not sure that um, in the absence of annexation, if uh, uh, a plan to extend infrastructure would make the CIP, or, you know, what order those things come in. Um, but it, it brings a question for me, and that is um, how would this annexation um, impact or inform work that the city and K10 and slash K dot um, is is planning uh, as K10 develops. Now, there's going to be over the next couple of years. There's going to be some activity there um, uh, as a part of preparing the state for um, what's going on near Desoto. So there might be an opportunity in this window for us to. Um, if, if this annexation were to occur, um, to take advantage of work that was that was uh, going to be happening with KDOT. Does anyone know? The, I don't, I'm not sure who to bring this question to or this, this chain of thought. I just wonder if there's an opportunity here to inform what KDOT might be doing, inform what the city might be doing, giving some upcoming known work on K10. I know that Municipal Services and Operations has been looking into that with KDOT and having those conversations throughout uh, the whole of the project from, from all different angles. So I know it's underway, and I don't know where it's at in all the discussion points, but I do know that we have had the conversations related to water and sewer service and how did those do get engaged as part of that that road work project and how does that you know make sure that timing of that is so it's the most efficient for everybody on that one. So it is underway. I just don't happen to have all the, the finer points for you this evening. There is conversation, though. Yes. All right. Thank you. I think, just Commissioner Thomas, I think one of the differences on this annexation is that it is the landowners that want to be annexed, have this 143 acres annexed. And it is a very sensitive piece of land that... As you were saying, the floods in 2019, it blocked 458, so nobody could go out on 458. And that can be life-threatening for people that live out there. So not, not to consider, and I, I, I think uh, where Commissioner Carpenter said, we just approved the 33 acres that will have runoff, below the dam that will feed into the walkie, all of the development, and there is lots of it that is going out in the southwest part of the county, 
that feeds into Washington Creek that is really what causes the flooding on 458 and the blacktop and on that part of the walkie. I don't know how much more um, the Wakarusa can take with, I think, honest people wanting to develop um, some plans. Uh, and we are taking, I don't, I, I've looked at the map and I just don't remember now how much tier two quality agricultural land is being taken out of production. And I'm not a big one on domino theory. And yet, once development starts at this point, I believe it will continue. The old, um, if you annex it, they will build on it. Uh, if you build it, they will come. So I I. For me, some of those questions um, raise some concerns on my part. Uh, I was going to ask a question about affordable housing. That is a, you know, affordable housing isn't $20,000 or $30,000. It may be $250,000. I'm not sure who that's, $300,000. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that that meets my heart's hope for affordable housing when I see the um, issues that we are having in Lawrence with homeless people, with um, reports that there really aren't houses in Lawrence that people can buy. And I don't know a $300,000 house who can afford it, but it doesn't fit my definition of affordable. So flooding, taking away prime farmland, and I think it is a first step in more development that will occur out there. So I would need some more reassurances before I could feel too comfortable about um, annexing that land. And it is not Lawrence that is asking to go annex it, it is the people who own it wanting to come in so it can be developed. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah, Commissioner Carpenter. I just, you know, <clears throat> Commissioners uh, Thomas and Kelsa brought up that 2019 flood on Washington Creek, which, you know, those houses... There were some old houses there that had been in, not in floodway when they were first built, but now they're getting flooded so much on a regular basis. The county has actually purchased them to take to to have that additional floodway available out there to help you know protect other things downstream. Uh, one other issue is this: this has been you know an agricultural field as long as I can remember even though we've had all these other proposals, but it's still classified as wetland soil. So it's slower to drain. And the kind of disturbance that would come with any development would just cause greater runoff from this soil, which wetland soil acts more like a sponge and a protection. So we're putting more runoff into the Wakarusa. We're taking away, if this is annexed and developed, it also takes away the ability 
to actually slow down some of the the runoff into the Wakarusa, which has a greater impact downstream. And and you know the rivers come together in um, in our county in Eudora. So you know anything we do upstream is you know has an impact all the way down the river, all the way to the Missouri. And the greatest impact will probably be seen in Eudora by what we do here. I there have been you know the county's currently working on open space. Um, conditions, and I'm sure some of these items will be in that, but we don't have those yet. But it's always been an argument that this should remain uh, open space, um, especially because of the flooding issues and that issue. And I, I'm still kind of there. You know, if there was a development agreement with the city already um, about how to address issues, that might be different because it shows the city's bought into going this way and doing something. But I've, there's been nothing like that yet. Um, I have to say what is in the letter submitted by land plan is probably the best idea I've seen yet over all the years. Um, but I still have problem with the type of land that this is proposed for, um, which I'm hearing from some other commissioners also. And uh, Ms. Van Auken, who used to be on this planning commission. <laughs> and <clears throat> so it's, you know, that's kind of where I am, is what is, do we want this to come into the city and make this a problem for the city? Um, I mean, I, we're just recommending all these issues are going to be discussed again at the city commission when our recommendation gets to them. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what their conversation is. But I think it's our job to go over as many of these issues as we can here to help them out. So I'm glad we're having this wide range discussion today. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning against a uh, recommendation to approve annexation, uh, primarily on the types of soils and how this fits into the overall uh, drainage and flooding issues around our community. <clears throat> Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. So let's just um, take that that question of flooding and um, the, the the risks there. Um, love to hear from Sandy and from uh, Mr. Struble uh, if you can address those concerns directly. Sandy Day Planning. Part of this area or I guess all of this area that is being requested for annexation is included in the revised Southern Development Plan. That plan long ago forecast at least a limited area of development that could um, be sustainable for that property. And then a large part of it was identified as, as open space, um, recognizing the presence of the floodplain. So that's, that's where the land use recommendations come from in, uh, at least from the planning document that is approved at this point in time. Um, we've talked about the regulations that are on the books, talked about the documentation that is required for development. So those would be the tools that staff would be leaning into in review of any kind of development application. <clears throat> okay, thank you, Sandy. So, so if I might, since my name was listed in there, um, let, let me address the, the floodplain issues, if I may. Um, to, to start with, um, the 
Southern Development Plan and what it shows for open space, we will be coming back and requesting a significant change to that and uh, requesting a larger portion of that be developed. Sandy was absolutely correct in everything she said, and I want to focus on one thing. If you keep in mind, we continue to refer to we cannot develop in the flood way, period. And that's shown on that plan and that map Sandy had in there, and it shows the difference between the flood plain or the flood way and the flood plain. And so the floodway section that cuts through our, our property, which is still is a significant part of it, we cannot, we have no choice. You don't have the ability to give us permission to develop in the floodway. There's no way you can do that. We can't do it. We will not be doing it. However, outside of the floodway is what's called the floodway fringe. And that will be the area that we will be filling uh, and attempting to put some development in that. And that will be the part of the Southern Development Plan that we'll be asking to change, showing that we're going to develop that. Now, in that process, for us to get permission to develop in the floodway fringe, we have to go through the City of Lawrence and, and the MSO and, and the City of Lawrence criteria for us developing in that. And we have to go through the state of Kansas and we have to go through FEMA. All those agencies have to give us permission to allow us to fill in that area. Each one of them has their own set of criteria that we have to adhere to. FEMA currently just came out with some requirements and we now have to do as many as four independent hydraulic models of what's going to happen on, on that section of the floodplain based on what we're going to do. And those models have to show what is called a no-rise situation. Now, a no-rise situation just is the hydraulic model based on what FEMA makes all their decisions on that that model will not show an increase. And, and that's one of their criteria. It doesn't say anything about what's going to happen on Washington Creek. It doesn't say anything that we're not going to have a flooding event that's going to top the road again at some future point in time like it did in, in, in 2019. I mean, I live out by Washington Creek. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I mean, we were stranded for a half a day and couldn't get out. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm first, I got firsthand experience with that. Um, but... The, the point I want to make and the reason we're asking for annexation right now and us you giving us permission to to go to the city commission and ask for annexation on this piece of property doesn't give us permission to to flood anything it doesn't give us permission to vacate any of those requirements that already exist it just gives us a starting point to do that um, we're going to go through all those studies um, but we prefer to have this step out of the way. <laughs> Those studies are, um, are, are fairly onerous. Um, we don't have any choice. We have all these other agencies that get to approve them. So you don't even have that ability to waive FEMA requirements, state of Kansas requirements, if you wanted to. But... You know, so I'm, so I'm a little bit at a loss on why we're having this detailed of a conversation about flooding and everything just because we're asking for annexation. Because I we we have to get all those permissions 
down the road. Now, you could, and I'm going to just throw this out there. If you prefer, I'd prefer you didn't, but you could defer our annexation until we bring in all those studies. We're still going to go to the city commission and see if they're, they'll give us an annexation anyway. Um, I think one of the significant comments that has been made tonight has been about the annexation is that something is going to happen on this property. And MSO needs to know that. KDOT needs to know that. Um, I do know, I believe in the capital improvements plan, there is some money that's going to increase some of the sewer lines that go along the South Lawrence traffic way that's going to be the recipient of our wastewater. And, and, and that is because they're anticipating some development on this property. That's, that's a benefit to us. You know, uh, that's probably about the only thing about our project that we're not paying for. I mean, we, we're not here asking the city to pay for anything. We have to extend a, a fire protection water line under the SLT at two different locations at Michigan Street and, and Iowa Street and loop that line through. That's on that's on us. We have to extend. We have to put in our waste own wastewater treatment or pumping station and pump up into the city system. That's on us. We're not asking the city to participate in that. All the streets in our development we're paying for. So there's there's no at risk dollars for the city on in any in any of our requests. Um, so, um, you know, we just you know, I, I just think with the level of protections and the level of things that we have to go through, no, they're not guarantees that none of these other events are, are not never going to happen again because they probably will. But we have all these other requirements we have to go through to answer to other people, uh, both on wastewater, fire protection, and stormwater and traffic. That that's really why we're here, just simply asking for annexation because we want to get started on all those issues. But but we want to know that you want us to be in the city now. Now I'm, I'm just going to be bold enough to say that if if you don't want to annex this piece of property into the city because you want to protect prime farmland, then just then vote not to annex us. Okay, that's fine. But to to make arguments about that we're gonna that. The, the 33 acres at 6th and SLT is eventually going to get downstream of Clinton Lake and is, and is eventually going to get to our property and cause a flooding problem. No, let's don't let's don't make those kind of arguments because they're disingenuous. All right. Mr. Struble, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I'm done. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments from the commission? Questions? I have a, yes, Commissioner Hayden. Um, I, I think I just want to say for the record um, that I'm leaning against this because of the prime farmland issue and the soil issues. So um, I just wanted to, to get that on the record since there were a lot of different reasons that were thrown out there. Gotcha. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, I, I have a couple thoughts that I'd like to share um, on this as listen to the different discussions. Um, there's uh, my, my perspective, just one person's perspective. Um, uh, our need for developable, developable land um, is, uh, is real and present. Um, it shows up in, in housing costs that 
based on what's happening east of us is likely going to uh, grow worse quickly. Um, we're surrounded by floodplain um, as a community. We're going to come up against these questions in almost every direction that we think about um, expansion. Um, and being able to manage that, it's going to be something that we're going to need to deal with. Um, I'm leaning actually in favor of supporting the annexation um, because I recognize or I believe that there is a need for um, uh, buildable, uh, developable uh, ground that in this particular case, even though it's, it's uh, you know, just a, a, an idea on paper, that the idea of a mixed use kind of a community being built out there would be an advantage. The location of this um, and where this sits, I think the argument that this is a gateway to uh, the South Lawrence coming up 59 into the south part of town, um, I think that's a, a, a real consideration. It's proximity on that intersection of those two roads to what it feeds to the developments that are going to be going out east. Um, and then I guess lastly, um, it's a belief that whether we say yes now or we say yes, um, if we whether we say yes now or not, I, I think my, my sense is that this ground is ultimately going to continue to come back for development. And if K-10, and we, we know that it is, if, if as K-10 develops, if this represents the opportunity for us to extend infrastructure south, now would be the time for us to take advantage of that rather than doing it at a more expensive time after that road had been developed. So just a, a, a mix of different ideas that I have. I, I I absolutely give weight to and appreciation to uh, the fact that there is some really valuable farm ground out there. Um, I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, insensitive to that at all. I'm very concerned about um, the potential for flooding. Um, and it seems to me to be a, a larger issue. It seems to me to be that this is the location where all of the other things have shown up in terms of a flooding problem. <clears throat> and, I trust that there are processes, there are steps, there are things that will be done between now and then before the first shovel of dirt is turned that's going to give our city the opportunity to look at that once it is, in fact, a part of our incorporated space. So I mean, th those are my general thoughts. Um, I, I'm inclined to support the annexation uh, largely because I think at some point, uh, we're going to be there, and the timing, in my opinion, is probably better now than later. Shrop and other thoughts. Yeah, I brought up the 33 acres just to show everything's connected. You yeah. know, not that there's going to be a direct, <laughs> direct increase of flooding on this property by that, but every every bit of land we cover upstream can have will have an effect downstream what the effect is there i have no idea that's what all the state and reg and federal regulatory authorities have their planning for as was outlined by mr struble and I, I thank him for outlining all those facts that think in studies that have to be done uh to me it's whether or not this 
commission, as a commission, um, we're going we're to have a mixed vote. We already know that. And all that really does is it gives information to the city commission, which is going to make the ultimate vote, and it's going to give them information. If we vote no, it doesn't mean it's done. It means it goes to the city commission with an, a recommendation for denial, which may change how many people have to vote in favor of it. That's it. All the arguments will be made there. And I'm my bigger point is, I think we need a better plan before we consider annexing this land. And maybe our plan is going to be down the road that we skip the floodway on both sides of the Wakarusa, and we have to know the city's ready to skip over that area. The same thing's coming up with the Wakarusa extension, where the city doesn't want to participate in funding a road across the Wakarusa out in the, in the southwest. But the county sees a need for it. So there's a, there's a conflict right there. But we need a plan. We don't have a plan. We have, we have an old plan that we know is scheduled to be updated, which is part of the reason the last one that came to us uh, ran into problems because it wanted to piecemeal update a plan before there was the fuller conversation. So we're back to the same point. If the city commission wants to come up with a, an annexation agreement and then approve it, that's, that's up to them. Um, but where I'm sitting here today with the knowledge we have, I'm not inclined to recommend uh, approval of annexation at this time for all the, all the reasons that have been stated here. Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. Any other comments before we consider a motion? I want to make sure everybody's had an opportunity to weigh in. Commissioner Munch. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I, I have, I guess, ultimately mixed feelings on this. I, I do have significant concerns about what the development would ultimately look like here. And as Commissioner Carpenter noted, we really don't have details as to what we're looking at with respect to how much of this area is going to be developed. Um, we don't know exactly what's going to be there. I, I'm concerned about what the specific nature of the community benefit to be provided might be. Um, but so I, I guess I'm struggling with, on, on one hand, not having answers to these questions, but then on the other hand, having some confidence or hope that these will be worked out uh, further on down the road in the process and that uh, there are appropriate channels in place to ensure that these are resolved appropriately. Um, I guess ultimately I focus on the facts that as Sandy mentioned, this area has, I guess, always been contemplated as an area that will be developed. Um, and I, I think with that in mind, I'm inclined to support this proposal, but I, I do want to note for the record and for the city commission's uh, consideration that it, there are uh, still outstanding concerns about what all this might entail in uh, what might go into that annexation agreement once that is uh, put into place. Thank you, Commissioner. Anyone else care to share thoughts before we ask for a motion? Would anyone care to make a motion? 
I'll make one. Thank you, Commissioner Duber. I uh, vote, I, I make a motion that we approve the annexation request A22-00403 of approximately 143.41 acres located in the southeast corner of SLT and US 59 and forward the request to the city commission with a recommendation to approve. Thank you. Is there a second? Commissioner Munch seconds. All right. Um, discussion before we call for a vote. I'll just restate a couple comments that I'd made earlier. Um, I do tend intend to support this. Um, I do believe that um, development in this area is in our future. Um, my sense is that given the um, pending work on K-10, the time to develop that infrastructure south um, towards this area is uh, better now than after that road work has been completed. Um, um, and uh, I, I, I'll just use the word trust that um, the number of processes that have been outlined throughout the course of this conversation regards the concerns on flooding, um, that those will address the real risks that are faced as um, those continuing development processes occur. Any other comments? Jeff, could you call the roll, please? Commissioner Baroto? No. Commissioner Carpenter? No. Commissioner Duvar? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? No. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? No. Motion fails three to four. So at this point, Jeff, do we... Do we pause and send forward a failed motion to approve, or do we need to go back and have a, another vote, another motion and a second and a vote on um, a denial? It would be a, another vote, or excuse me, another motion in, in to, for consideration, because at this point, the commission has not made a motion to send anything. Okay, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, <laughs> all right. Um, does anyone care to make a second motion on this matter? We've tried the approval. That was voted down. <laughs> we seem stuck. Will, will this not send the message anyway that the vote was four to three? Would that not send the same message rather than having to have a vote to deny? What would be the purpose of that? It would, it would be the recommendation of the board at that point. If you recommend forwarding a denial versus you didn't, you failed to recommend a approval at that point. So there still has to be a vote to, to go the other direction if that's the board's choice to make sure that is conveyed because right now the commission is not relate any anything with the vote at this point this, this is randy larkin 
deputy city attorney, yes. At this point in time, it would go to the city commission with no recommendation whatsoever. Hmm. I'll do it once it reopens on my other computer here. <clears throat> but I don't have it in front of me at the moment. That's how I'm scrambling. All right. Yeah. Let us know when you're ready, Jim. Yeah. This is when it chooses to go slow, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's asking you to reconsider your position, I think, Jim. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, it's never going to open. <clears throat> Say, you say it's not opening for you? Oh, it's working on it. It's the little blue bar is almost to the other end. Okay. All right, I would make a motion uh, to recommend denial of the request and annexation of approximately 143.41 acres based on the findings in the staff report, discussion of the planning commission, and forwarding um, the recommendation of denial to the city commission. <clears throat> Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. Um, can I have a second, please? Commissioner Thomas, thank you. Any discussion before we call the roll? Thank you. Mr. Crick, would you please call the roll? Commissioner Barotto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvoir? No. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? No. Commissioner Rexroad? No. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Sorry, give me one moment. I've forgot how to do math instantaneously. Um, motion passes four to three. Four to three. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. Um, folks, this was uh, um, a very thoughtful, well done discussion. Uh, as Commissioner Carpenter pointed out, you know, we're a recommending body and our job isn't necessarily to get to consensus. Um, it is, in fact, to suss out the issues so that the policymakers uh, are able to make uh, a, a better informed decision. And I think we accomplished that goal tonight. So appreciate you and all the, the, the serious work and thought that you put into this. Uh, before we call for German, is there any other business um, before the commission tonight? Uh, none this evening. With just, uh, just to be clear, we're back again next Wednesday night. <laughs> yes, we are for, uh, our, yes. for our February meeting.
Correct. You you will have your February your normal scheduled February meeting next week. And just as a reminder, the commission Monday is a holiday for the city, so you will have the Wednesday meeting. And so it's it's a doozy. So uh, stay caffeinated and, and well nourished. All right. Uh, can I have a motion to adjourn, please? So moved. Second. I'll second. Thank you. Jeff, please call the roll. Commissioner Baroto? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Duvar? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Rexroad? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7-0. Thank you all. Have a good night. Thank you.